welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. Hello, Stu. How are you doing? I'm very good, Lorraine. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. So you got rid of the beard? Got a bit too warm for you, mate? I've, I've had a bit of a go-faster haircut. Yes. Saw <laughs> <laughs> the wind going through your hair. Exactly. I thought I need to be more streamlined. Exchanges, completions. Can't yeah. have all this facial hair around me and stuff like it's that. I've got to be exchange, busy. exchange, completion, completion. Rush, rush, rush. Can't have anything holding me back this week. <laughs> yeah. I, but I've, I'm not adopted that, uh, that attitude in my career, Stu. I feel this is... What about your facial hair? When are you going to deal with it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, oh. I've gone past it, mate. I'm a fat oh, okay. aged woman. I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> I can just say, yeah, don't need to worry. <laughs> um, well, Stu, on the back of our chat about the stamp duty land tax, um, uh, continuing traumas, really, um, yeah. we thought it would be a good idea, didn't we, to have a sort of short, sharp, kind of almost top tips on sending money um you know to to on completions really because we will probably not say to anybody anything they don't already know but i think what really came out from our stamp duty land tax discussion was just the sheer pressure that conveyances are under now and how it's easy to miss the basics it's easy to forget the basics so it's really possible that i mean in a way i hope we're not telling anybody anything new but um, but sort of to just a sort of short, sharp, as I say, top tips on top tips on sending money, because if the money goes awry, if the money goes somewhere other than its intended destination, you know, all hell breaks loose. I just think it's a big risk area, isn't it? And, uh, you know, at a time when we're at our most stressed, uh, when we have so much to do, it's an area, you know, do you make that final call to verify someone's details or, or are you going to take a chance and send that money? And of course, we should never be taking that chance. No, and Stu, when we were talking about it in advance, you mentioned the um, confirmation of payee scheme. Yep. And um, I did just find some stats from the Law Society, actually. And I have to say, you know, for licensed conveyances, I always think it's useful for licensed conveyances to look at the property-related stuff on the Law Society's website. The Law Society produces some good stuff. And actually going the other way, I think SRA regulated solicitors could do just as well to look at the, the information on the CLC website, because I think there's a lot that's really good on both websites. But the LawSoc has produced um, a new, newish property and registration for practice note middle of last year, um, which is always worth a look, to be honest. But one of the things that perhaps, um, you know, we, conveyances might, I think, Stu, still is a bit of a, a bit of a misnomer a bit of misinformation here really is that somehow the banks have taken on sort of more responsibility for helping us sort of combat fraud than, than in actual reality they have I mean the um I don't know if you saw it but the FCA is um is currently uh, suing um or taking proceedings actually I think it's against NatWest but for absolutely millions uh, of you know but um but anyway the confirmation of payee scheme i just thought i'd literally quote some stuff that the law society said here because the, the confirmation of payee scheme was introduced by the banks to help to, to help us make sure that payments went to the correct payee but what the law society report is it's clear from some cases we've seen that if the name of a firm is used with some other additions made at the end of it and the fraudsters have opened the account in them in that name then the confirmation of payee provisions do not protect against fraud um and the um law sock quote sort of 320 million a year 
lost from fraud. <laughs> and the banks um, using it at the moment are Barclays, Lloyds, RBS, Santander, HSBC and Nationwide. But um, they had sort of delayed the introduction of it, but the um, payment system regulator, Stu, you might want to know, has deferred any action against the banks meeting the deadline until the 30th of June. So actually, <laughs> so actually the very date that we're all aiming for when we could probably do with the banking system helping us to the greatest extent, it's not going to. It's always ludicrous, though, wasn't it, that you could have a situation where you data input, um, you put the account number in, you put the sort code in, and, and the details may not match. They may not be an account. Yes. And it, and it didn't notify you. I could never understand why that was the case. Always thought for years it was a crazy situation. Um, and it's now almost... I honestly more... think, though, sorry to cut the question very briefly, I honestly don't... I think people would find that bizarre. That yeah. That... that, that it, you... You know, that they just have assumed that the banks would sort of check the name. Yeah, no, hundred percent not. It's just just a crazy situation. It begs the begs the sort of point. Why do you have to even put that data in there if yes. they're not going to check it? Why do you even bother putting it in there? That's the innuendo. The innuendo is if you're filling those boxes in, um, the information should be correct. But it was always a, a, a ridiculous situation. Um, and well, I assume taken on by the, you know, the banks not wanting to take on the responsibility because they're picking up greater lie, but you know, the tab themselves, of course. Yeah, of course, but then why, why bother having the box there? Yeah. But, but now we've got a situation where, again, it seems a bit stupid that some banks are adopting it and some not. Um, we bank with with Barclays and Metro, um, so Barclays obviously are adopting it, and, and we found it a great a great comfort. You know, every, every time you put the data in it, it gives you that little green symbol um, telling you that the details you're going to use are verified. Do they throw um, any back as a matter of interest to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it comes back with a little red cross and that it's not verified if, if they're not. Um, so we've tested that and I've tested it with my personal banking. Mm. Um, and that's exactly the same. It works no different with your commercial banking. Um, so it's a great tool to have. And it's about time all the banks sort of got the ducks in a line and, and and roll that out because that you know that is a sure far way of preventing um not just fraud but mistakes as well you know very easy for uh your guys in the accounts department to to, to put the wrong figure in or, or, or yeah. drop a drop a digit here and there isn't it so it's very easy to do and, and they're a bit like the, the goalkeepers in the football world aren't they one mistake one problem and and, and of course you've, you've absolutely had it you've just gone and sent you know, 300 grand to the wrong person, haven't you? So, yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a I mean, real I difficult worked, one. I worked in a firm where, funnily enough, 300 grand did go to uh, to a fraudster. And actually, um, they did manage to get it back um, because the lady that actually sent it um, uh, or authorised it being sent, I should say, sort of picked up on it really quickly. Uh, but they didn't have the systems in place that we do now to protect against it. But the really terrible thing was their head of accounts was so stressed. He, you know, they found him, you know, they found him on the roof. I mean, it was just terrible. Just the stress he was under was just extraordinary. And that was quite a few years ago now. So, you know, everybody's under enormous pressure, really. So, Stu, I mean, we've got the obvious ones. We all put on the bottom of our um, firms, put on the bottom of their emails, you know, we won't, uh, we won't change our bank account details um, 
you know, uh, contact us if you get details, you know, something else. But what concerns me about that is that just becomes like wallpaper. Nobody sees it anymore. Nobody, nobody no, you're, you're, yeah, you're hundred percent right. No, no, nobody reads it. But, but the strange thing I always find is there are still lots of law firms out there that do email us their bank details. Is that uh, even attached to a, the completion um, no, information no, undertaking? There are still PDF? law. There are still law firms that will email you their bank details, um, which I find, you know, astonishing in this day and age. Um, you know, I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because where, where do we go with attachments? You know, if you have an attachment with your bank details in, you know, if you've, if you've been hacked and somebody's watching your emails, then they're watching that attachment that's going out, aren't they? Where, where, yes, where do I we find draw... that odd. I think you should just have an absolute, you know, no... Um, you know, no sending policy on anything. I mean, people say, you know, even I can get into a PDF and fiddle about with it, and I can't do it. Yeah, so it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, we, we, in terms of sending our bank details out, we always do that via, via text message um, to our clients, um, which is an easy way around it, perhaps. I mean, of course, you could argue that that's not without its risk um, element as well. But I think, you know, in terms of risk in general whether you're dealing with a client that you need to return proceeds to whether you're dealing with another law firm um the most simple way is to get them on the phone um you know whether you've received bank details via an attachment an email or not you've got to be calling every single time to verify that those bank details are correct before you send that money and, and we touched on it in the last chat didn't we about trusted numbers yeah um when um, you have, or, or certainly with our bankers, um, when we have a matter pulled for whatever you want to call it, for audit or, or whatever, uh, for whatever reason they're looking into a payment, we get asked specifically that we spoke to the client on a trusted number. Oh, and I think if, if you are looking at any kind of help that you might get from the bank, um, you need to ensure you're speaking to the client on the trusted number. And it's, it's really, really, really important that you're kind of aware of what that is. And, you know, if you're if you're reliant on a client that's, I don't know, maybe they've rung you back to give you the bank details, you know, what number are they ringing you from? Is it withheld? Is it a number that's not synonymous with what you've already got on your file? Um, you need to make sure they're ringing you from the same number. And of course, How do don't you record that on your file, though, Stu? How do you prove that they rang you from a trusted number? Well, our telephone system links in with our case management, so we can just um, take a screenshot um, of the call that comes in and, and save that on there. But the other great thing to use is FaceTime or, mm. um, you know, if you want to call it FaceTime, Zoom, all these different modern sort of modes of speaking to your client face-to-face -face now. Um, always a fantastic medium to, again, avoid the risk that you're taking. But that, that sending of that money now is... It's going to be right up there, right at the very top of the the, the, the risky part of the transaction that we undertake. Now, what Stu, do you do? Because what I still find absolutely extraordinary is that, um, and I know we've got you know, you know, lender exchange, but a surprising number of lenders will still send redemption figures and bank details by email, which I think everybody accepts is one of the you know least safe you know modes of communication if it's not encrypted. Um, so in that instance, would your team ring the lender to verify the lender's details that has come into your organisation by email? Yeah, 
I mean, look, I, I wouldn't be an expert in terms of encryption um, and, and, and IT to the level of what can and can't be hacked uh, and a risk analysis at that kind of level. My basic understanding is so basic that as far as I'm concerned, every single time we make a payment, we ring the recipient of that payment to verify those details, which is an enormous strain on, on our manpower um, mm. especially on the day of completion. You can imagine the volume of calls that are going out. It's just for me, it's just one mistake is, is one mistake too many and, and the risk is just too high. So you um, guys will ring the bank, lender? Bank, bank, I, I don't really understand the sort of the, the, the remit of the bank's communication kind of procedure because one minute they, they, they won't send something by email, then you receive it by, by email, you know, they'll, they'll send fax, but, you know, is, is fax safe these days as well? You know, you could receive it in the post, but, you know, I think you've just got to work on the basis that any kind of fraudster is so sophisticated now mm. that um, they'll stop at no means. Um, you could receive redemption statements via the, the, the post or the DX. How do you know that's not fraudulent? Well, that's the thing, of course. I have to say... Um, where, where do you draw the line on this? Well, I, I, don't, don't I don't think there's a line to be drawn, actually, Stu. It's all a matter of risk management, isn't it? It's like you said the other day, you know, well, what's the, you know, what's the best that you can do? But, you know, we, we're not IT experts. We've got loads of prop tech companies now that offer fantastic support, and thank goodness that they do, you know, but we're not IT experts. And, you know, and I hate to say it, and we, I said it the other day, but, you know, if, um, like I said, I mean, I'm so boring and repetitive, but, you know. We told if, you that. Yeah, well, everybody. But, you know, if, oh, okay. I don't know. If the man that set up Twitter can have his Twitter account hacked, if, you know, <laughs> if um, the, I can't, Fastly, I think they're called, aren't they? If their systems can go down because one person twiddling their knobs and half the, you know, half the sort of internet communications in the country go down, then, you know, how are we all protected? It, I, I might be completely wrong on this, but has it not been within the last five years? Was it the car phone warehouse had a big hacking scandal? Um, did the yeah, NHS did the NHS not have an issue yes. not that long ago? Yeah, they all do. Um, so if, if you're talking about entities of this size, um, what hope have you got? And I, what I you just yeah, for, for me, it's just such a dangerous part of what we do. We need to be absolutely one million percent sure um, who we're dealing with and you know who we're sending. Sorry, I, I talked over you a bit, but to, to, just to be clear, so your guys do ring the lenders to verify when you're redeeming a mortgage. They will ring the lender to verify. The, pro the, pro the problem, the problem I have, and I'll be completely open to uh, other lawyer suggestions. The problem we have here um, is that we receive communication from banks in so many different ways. Now, yeah. yes, you've got LMS, you've got Lender Exchange, great, and but then occasionally we'll sporadically receive communication, whether it be via post DX or whether it be via fax or or email, or whatever the case may be. Um, so we just have a rule that it doesn't matter who we're sending the money to, we'll verify it. But so, you know, your guys could be sitting on the phone for literally hours on the day of completion. Absolutely ages. So for me, we verify it, we ring the number that we've got the contact for, okay, and then in those circumstances, if anything goes wrong, when the bank say to me, did you speak to the person via a trusted number? Um, the answer is yes. Mm. Um, and... I'm not saying that the banks give us total protection um, on, 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 on this matter, 
but certainly you've got much more of a chance of the bank helping you if you mm. can tick all their boxes. So it's not just a case of looking at it from our angle, it's looking at our bankers. I'm, I'm only speaking for, for example, Barclays, who we deal with, um, but they've been extremely helpful in the past and we've had an issue. Um, but we've always abided by their recommendations and their protocols. And the business relationship manager that I have has always advocated that we ring every single person we send a payment to. And when it was first suggested, you know, I almost fell off my chair. I think well, it's impractical. It's impossible to mm. do that. Um, but it's just such a risk area for me. Um, and just can't be having a situation where there's a chance of us sending, you know, any amount of money, but, but hundreds of thousands of pounds yeah. to potentially the wrong person. So really top tips to you is, is ring. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what other law firms adopt on this one because it is such a drain on resource, an enormous drain on resource. Mm, um, you know, the prop tech companies out there will, will, will be kind of, you know, throwing stuff at the screen at the moment because we're trying to make an automated process. We're trying to make everything slick. And then we adopt a completely manual process. It might be automated to receive figures, but then we adopt a manual process on checking them. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but um from the way we deal with it here we just adopt that attitude and therefore um we know we can sort of sleep at night and the bank's happy with what we do um and it's the least least risk we can adopt to a procedure that we have to do yeah it's always um it's, it's annoying when as a profession we have to come up with the sort of least worst solution yeah in a way yeah. and uh, well perhaps to end Stu, just to uh, make it clear i'm not misquoting um yeah so um just a sort of general point about banks and money. Yeah, so the Financial Conduct Authority reported in um, March that they were indeed taking um, uh, proceedings against um, NatWest, it is NatWest, so I haven't misquoted, uh, in respect of offences under the money laundering regs. Um, da, 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 da. These re regulations require the firm to determine conduct and demonstrate risk-sensitive due diligence and ongoing monitoring, so get this. Um, the case arises from the handling of funds deposited into accounts operated by a UK incorporated customer of NatWest. The FCA alleges, get this, that increasingly large cash deposits were made into the customer's accounts. It is alleged that around £365 million was paid into the customer's accounts, of which around £264 million was in cash. It is alleged that NatWest systems and controls failed to ad adequately monitor and scrutinise this activities. So it's, there it's, you what's so, that's what's so difficult, isn't it? You know, if, if somebody like NatWest have got that, yeah, I know. that kind of problem, I know. how can we deal with it? I mean, I know that, for example, you know, your case management systems will data store. So, um, you know, and, and, and our banking systems will data store. So, you know, if, if we are dealing with certain banks, such as Santander or, or NatWest, you know, there's an element of protection where you've got their bank details pre-stored. But I just think as a generalisation, yeah, if you're dealing with the likes of the car fund warehouse that have had a problem, the NHS, NatWest, I, I just can't see any way around it. No. Well, that's a slightly depressing note to end on, Stu. But <laughs> it's I a think difficult one, isn't it? I mean, it, the, the only thing I would say, though, is if you do call people, you are you are mitigating that loss as much or that risk as, as much yeah. as you can. Um, I think in terms of clients, it's absolutely essential every single time 
um, that you ring them and I'll be, you know, massively um, advocating that you're ringing them, you're not accepting callbacks. Um, we've had them before where we receive a call from a client, we just simply say, is it all right if we just call you back? And we're going to call you back on the numbers we have on our system for you. Yeah, we've never we've never had any kickback on that one. I think the clients are quite um, receptive of you know our due diligence on, on on their money. So I think that you know we don't really get any kickback uh, in terms of other lawyers. Um, again, we adopt a total stance of, of of ringing every single time we make a payment. And then the banks, you know, if, if we're dealing with banks where we don't have pre-save details, for example, we would ring every single time. And it's a massive, massive drain on the resource we have. But off, off weighing that against the risk element, they, they, like you said, you know, and, and you said about a depressing way to end. It's that kind of thought, isn't it, that all this extra work is a complete pain in the rear, but you don't want to have that mental thought about standing on top of the roof because that that problem that's been you know that you know that, that's happened and you know I, I don't want my guys in in our accounts department having well a, they have got that pressure I suppose but you know the thought of somebody working here having that kind of thought is it's just horrid it's, isn't it it's, it's horrid. really really grim isn't it and I think um I think actually the message from this session ought to be you know really just sort of zero tolerance where you know where money is concerned and actually it's easy to make a call the one thing i would say to firms that don't have um maybe as sophisticated a case management system as you've got i mean we're all you know all calls can be you know logged and recorded but and again it's a complete ball's egg but i think for example that um uh anybody who's making calls um to, to verify should be doing their contemporaneous notes on the file whether you've got you know an you know electronic case management system whether you've got a paper file just to confirm who you rang and what you did and what number you used any additional evidence that you've got as to what you did um yep. if, if you're not if you don't know you're capturing it on your system make sure you've got that attendance note because it's just I mean, our, our, our case management systems i wouldn't say it's sophisticated on that front um you know like you say you could you could take a screenshot you know, on, on, on your phone and save that on the system. You could just mm. literally screenshot the phone that you've dialed the number from and, 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 and save that. It doesn't have to be sophisticated. I think it's the process. No, well, I think we've, you know, we've sort of almost come back to, uh, to you know, to pen and paper in the phone, Stu. But, um, <laughs> well, um, thanks very much for that, Stu. Let's hope that everybody gets to the end of June unscathed and, uh, and we'll, uh, I'll see you again soon. Take care. Take care, Stu. Bye. Bye.